Now, I want to I want to really examine two themes here this morning, and you know that may not be the best teaching technique, but I want to I want to try to do that this morning. I want to attempt that. Uh, I want us to observe kind of the main idea of the book. Uh, I believe the main idea here is that uh, men are changed dramatically by the gospel. You can't get saved and not be changed. Uh, If you get saved, you're made a new creature in Christ. You're going to be changed, and it's going to be for the better. So we'll see that. And Of course, it's the gospel. Uh, It's the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection, our faith in him, uh, and and his working in us that changes us. And this book uh, is really a very uh, excellent uh, picture of the gospel. Uh, you'll see Paul interceding with Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. That's a picture of Christ interceding with the Father, God the Father, on our behalf. You'll see, you'll see Paul seeking to reconcile Onesimus to Philemon uh, as Christ seeks to reconcile men to God. That's a picture of, of the reconciliation that we know in Christ. You'll see Paul seeking to elevate Onesimus from the position of slave or servant to the position of brother in Christ. And of course, that's a picture of the great truth that when we come to Christ, we're elevated from lost people who are on our way to hell uh, to joint heirs with Christ. It's a wonderful truth. And we'll see Paul along the way, as I've mentioned, offer to pay Onesimus' debt to Philemon, which is a picture of Christ's uh, offering uh, to pay as our substitute, our sin debt upon the cross. So this is really a wonderful picture of those critically important, really core aspects uh, of uh, our salvation in Christ. Now, the other thing that I want to take care to address today, particularly uh, in the context of current events in our nation, uh, all, all of these um, ideas and, and protests uh, around so-called uh, racial injustice, I think we, we do very well uh, this morning to point out, to counter the idea that uh, some have claimed that Paul, by sending Onesimus a slave back to Philemon, his master, a slave owner, that Paul necessarily endorsed the idea of slavery uh, in doing that, that this was at least a tacit or implied approval of, of slavery. I think that's, that's really 100% wrong, and we have to take care to see that this morning, uh, especially in, in context of, of events in our nation uh, today. Along the way, I want you to see here, Paul, Paul never overtly endorses slavery. He never says, hey, Philemon, you're a slave. You need, you need to go be a servant. He, he, does, not, he does not say that. Uh, he doesn't say slavery is a good and loving institution. Uh, he does not say that. Rather, we see him subtly encourage Philemon to exercise love toward Onesimus and to exercise that love practically by receiving Onesimus back, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. Now, I'm going to leave it up to you this morning, but to me, that does not sound like an endorsement of slavery at all. Rather, the book is a beautiful portrait of salvation, of change, of change that comes in salvation, uh, salvation and that change, um, and it is a subtle 
admittedly a subtle rebuke of the institution of slavery as a profoundly unloving and wrong institution. And of course, um, I view the historical institution of slavery as just that, a profoundly unloving and wrong, and I'll just say it sinful, uh, a bit of history. We do not uh, endorse it. We do not endorse um, prejudice of, of any type. Uh, we do not in, endorse uh, racism uh, in our church. We believe that is sinful and wrong, and that uh, really the only answer to it, and we, we can have all of our social programs that have attempted uh, to quote-unquote right those wrongs, but uh, we understand, and as I've said many times in recent weeks, the only way men can be truly reconciled to one another um, is to first be reconciled each to the Lord through saving faith in Christ. When men are reconciled to God the Father through God the Son, there is the very real possibility of being reconciled to one another. That's an that's a individual one-on-one uh, -on -one equation. There will not be peace on earth until Christ comes and puts down God's enemies at Armageddon, then there will be peace. But there can be peace between individuals who are reconciled because of that uh, possibility uh, when both are saved. So boy, let's keep that in mind. Let's let that be a motivation uh, to share the gospel, uh, that gospel that is pictured so wonderfully in the book of Philemon today. Let's jump right in now, please. Uh, but here we see in Philemon chapter one, Paul's greeting to Philemon, he says, Paul, uh, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he, Paul was indeed a prisoner at Rome, and Timothy, our brother, uh, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved, a brother in Christ, and fellow laborer. He says in verse 2, to our beloved uh, Epphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Uh, so we see the, uh, the characters, if you will. I want to use that word incorrectly. This is an actual uh, this is a letter from an actual person to an actual person. These are real people, not characters uh, in a story. Uh, one thing worth pointing out here, uh, Archippus uh, is the one here who links Philemon to the Colossian church. He's mentioned in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 7. Uh, so we know that these individuals are linked to the church at Colossae. Uh, this person links uh, the book of Colossians to the book of Philemon. So that's, uh, that's worth noting. Uh, Paul uh, writes to these individuals, and in verse 2 he says, and to the church in thy house. Uh, so that at that, at that time, uh, churches were meeting primarily in homes. Uh, there's nothing wrong with this. I think I mentioned recently, uh, the modern home church movement would be okay so long as it wasn't uh, constituted by people who uh, just refused uh, to be a member of a legitimate local church and to be under the authority of a pastor and so forth. Uh, too often, home churches today are, are people that have just fled out of legitimate New Testament churches uh, because they can't get along or they, they refuse to submit to pastoral authority and so forth. But if that's not the case, uh, there's, there's biblically no reason why a legitimate church could not meet in a home, and of course many churches have done that for a time. So, uh, by the way, it's also worth noting that because the church met in, in this man's home, it was probably a fairly small assembly, at least at that time. Don't forget, God uses small groups. Uh, the Lord used a group of 12. The Lord used 
uh, throughout the New Testament, small churches that met in homes. And uh, he can use the small church in Trumbull, Connecticut as well uh, in a great way. Verse 3, Paul says, grace to you and peace uh, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son. Uh, as Paul so often does, next in verse 4, he, he lets Philemon know that he prays for him. He says, I thank my God, uh, making mention of thee, of, of you, Mr. Philemon, always in my prayer. Remember, please, Paul's example. He prayed for the church members, and he prayed for them personally, and he prayed for them always. He prayed for the church corporately. He prayed for the members personally. Uh, and he, did, he, he maintained that over a period of time. What a great example. Lord, help us to have that same example uh, present in our own lives. Now, Paul moves on now, and he begins to encourage Philemon for his faith and his love toward God and others. And uh, let's see that here in verse 5. He says, hearing of thy love, underline that word love, please. It's okay. Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus, underline the next a few words also, please, and toward all saints. Uh, Paul encourages. Uh, he, uh, he's thankful for uh, Philemon's uh, faith and for his love toward the Lord and toward all saints, toward all saints. Uh, it would seem to be the case here that Paul is beginning in, uh, to encourage Philemon. He's, he's laying the groundwork and beginning to build a road toward uh, encouraging Philemon to receive uh, Onesimus the slave back as, not a slave, but as a brother uh, in Christ. And uh, he, he, he wants Philemon eventually to see that, uh, that, that master-servant, uh, slave-owner, slave relationship is really typically not a loving thing. And uh, and not what Paul is encouraging. And so Paul begins to uh, commend Philemon for his love uh, toward all saints. And uh, he is um, beginning to kind of break up the ground here and build the road uh, toward asking him to receive Onesimus back. Well, Paul prayed in verse 6 that uh, as Philemon lived out his faith by demonstrating love to God and others, that he would see that this was made possible by Christ Verse 6, he says, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual uh, by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul wants Philemon to understand, to be reminded, perhaps, that the faith that he exercises and the love that he's able to exercise toward uh, the saints, uh, and perhaps toward the lost as well, is possible because of Christ. The same thing is true for every single one of us who are in Christ, who are saved uh, today. Uh, if you've come to Christ, you can exercise faith because of Christ. You can remain faithful uh, because of Christ. You can exercise love toward others uh, because of Christ, uh, whose death upon the cross has made our salvation possible. And uh, as a result of our, his death and our salvation, when we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes in, uh, changes us, indwells us, uh, and brings forth faith and love. It's possible because of Christ. Uh, so no one could say, well, I can't be faithful. I can't, I can't demonstrate love uh, graciously toward people who don't deserve that. Yes, you can, and you can because of Christ and the Holy Spirit who indwells you. You most certainly can. 
Uh, you simply need to yield to the Lord and say, okay, bring forth faith and bring forth love, and, and I will exercise it practically. Next, we see Paul encouraged Philemon that the love that he demonstrated to others was uh, effectual, Bible word, in the sense that uh, it refreshed the hearts of Paul and, and his team. So, uh, yes, it's good to be the recipient of loving thoughts, actions, deeds, but it's also good to observe that. When uh, fellow church members see you exercising love towards someone else, that's encouraging. Uh, even though they're not the immediate direct recipients of, of that love, when they see it, it's encouraging. And, and that becomes an act of love toward others in the church. Let's see verse 7. This is how Paul says it. He says, For we have great joy and consolation. Consolation has the idea of comfort uh, and encouragement. He says, For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, in your love, Mr. Philemon, because the bowels of the saints, or our hearts, uh, bowels was a biblical way at the time, it was a customary way of referring to the heart at that time, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Uh, Paul says the love that you exercise toward others, that's good for them, but it encourages me. It encourages me. Now, maybe you've never thought about this, but uh, I want you again to get a hold of this idea today. When you choose to graciously exercise love towards someone else, I said graciously because that someone else might not deserve it, uh, you, you, you encourage that person. But as brothers and sisters in Christ see that, they, they should be encouraged. Uh, and in that part of the equation, you are exercising love toward others. Uh, your love toward one person, seen by others, witnessed by others, is, is an expression of love toward them as well. Now listen, you'll need to be in church for people to see that, okay? Uh, don't want don't to um, be heard to coerce people who shouldn't be here for health reasons, but boy, if you can safely be here, uh, be here to worship the Lord in his special presence, be here to demonstrate love directly to individuals, be here to encourage others with your presence uh, and by your demonstration of love to others. That's, that's important. It, it's important. Well, now Paul uh, has, has paved the way here toward beginning to intercede uh, directly for Onesimus. And again, this is a picture of Christ interceding for us with God the Father. Uh, Paul transitions now to a request. He is going to begin to intercede very specifically uh, for Onesimus. See verse 8, please. He says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee uh, that which is convenient, he's saying here, you know what, I could order you to take Onesimus back as a brother in Christ, but I would rather that you understand that it would be loving at this point. This man has been saved, and it would be loving and therefore right to receive him back as a brother in Christ. He says that in verse 9, yet for love's sake, yet for, he says that in verse 9, yet for love's sake, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, verse 10, I beseech thee, uh, I ask thee, I implore thee, I intercede for Onesimus with thee, for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Now you understand Paul didn't physically beget Onesimus there in the prison. Uh, of course not, pastor. 
uh, he uh, shared the gospel evidently and, and led to the uh, rebirth. Uh, he led Onesimus to be born again, uh, and he's now his son in the Lord uh, and a brother in the Lord. He's been begotten by Paul in that sense. Uh, Onesimus has been saved uh, in prison, uh, and Paul uh, wants Philemon to understand that. He's interceding for, he's making um, intercession for Onesimus. And I've said several times already this morning that that's what the Lord is doing for us. Get a couple verses down, the good cross-references in your Bible uh, to place here in this area. Hebrews 7 and verse 25 talks of Christ. Hebrews 7, 25 says, Wherefore he, Christ, is able also to save to the uttermost uh, that come unto God by him, seeing, uh, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Uh, Christ always has been, he is, and he always will be. Therefore, he is able to continuously and eternally intercede for us with God the Father. Uh, that is part of the basis for the security of our salvation. The Lord is always going to be there interceding for us with God the Father. Uh, Paul is interceding for Onesimus in this moment. First uh, Timothy 2 and verse 5, the Bible says, For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Uh, and 1 John 2 and verse 1 says, He's our advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. So Paul is very much picturing Christ and his uh, mission, uh, his ministry is what I mean to say, of serving as a mediator or intercessor between man uh, and God the Father. Well, Paul desires to reconcile Onesimus to Philemon. This is a word that we've used much recently. And Paul asserts that while Onesimus had been a poor servant uh, prior to being saved, uh, he had since demonstrated himself to be uh, very useful. He had been changed. He had been changed when he came to Christ. See verse 8. Uh, speaking of Onesimus, he says, which in times past uh, was to thee, to you, unprofitable, essentially useless as a servant, but now profitable to thee and to me. Onesimus had been changed by Christ, a man who had essentially been useless uh, for all uh, practical purposes, having been changed by the Lord, became very useful uh, in a practical sense, in a spiritual sense, uh, and praise God for that. Salvation changes people. The Lord Jesus Christ changes people. The Spirit of God changes people uh, when we come to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And you know what all means? It means all. All things are become new. You're made a new creature. You're a new person. You have a new nature. The old nature is still there, warring against your new nature, but you have a new nature. You have a new life. You have a new destiny. You have a new hope and a certain hope of eternal life, avoiding hell, uh, knowing the Lord and walking with him throughout all of eternity uh, in the certainty of heaven, being with the, the resurrected Savior who makes this all possible. What a joy. Well, what a joy for Onesimus, and what an important thing for Philemon to know. Hey, Onesimus is one of us now. He's been changed. We see in the next verses, uh, beginning in verse 12, Paul desired that 
uh, Onesimus would remain in Rome, uh, but he would not do that without, Ones- without Philemon's approval. Verse 12, whom I have sent again, he's sending Onesimus back, uh, that thou therefore receive him, that is, uh, as mine own bowels. We talked about that. Whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. Paul was in jail for preaching the gospel. Verse 14, but without thy mind would I do nothing. Without your consent I would not do that. Uh, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, uh, but willingly. Uh, Paul would love to have Onesimus with him. And what a testimony to the fact that he has been changed. Uh, he's no longer a thief, an unprofitable, or a useless, useless servant. Uh, he's, a, he's a man who's been changed by the Lord, useful to Paul, and, uh, and um, he could be greatly useful in the church uh, back in Colossae as well. Now, in verse 15, you see Paul suggests that God has used... This is such an interesting verse. Don't miss this. In verse 15, Paul uh, suggests to uh, Philemon that God has used Onesimus's disobedience. How is he disobedient? Well, he, he may have stolen. Whether or not that's true, we know he ran away. Uh, that was wrong. Um, I'm not saying slavery was right, but, but that was wrong. Um, he, Paul wants Philemon to understand this um, really interesting truth. Uh, God has used Onesimus's bout of disobedience to save Onesimus. Uh, that's, that's an interesting thing. God can work in whatever he chooses to, to bring people to Christ. You know, none of us were saved uh, in and through some great, well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I was going to say none of us be saved through uh, pure righteousness. We couldn't be purely righteous before we were saved. Uh, very often when you were saved, you were, you were saved out of the midst of great sin. And of course, Onesimus been saved out of the midst of sin as well. Verse 15, Paul says, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. <coughs> perhaps, he, perhaps the Lord allowed him to run off so that he could be saved and so that you could then receive him back as a brother and have him back uh, with you as a brother in Christ. God can work in our disobedience, uh, even in our disobedience uh, to get a hold of us and to save us. And of course, he works in our disobedience to correct us, to grow us, to strengthen us. Well, pastor, I should just be disobedient. No, Paul would say, God forbid, uh, that's, that's not the case. But God can work in disobedience. And that's a great truth. It's a great truth. Uh, Paul says that thou should receive us him back forever. Uh, and now verse 16, so important. Now, let me try again, not now as a servant. You should, you, know, you should be willing to receive him back now forever, but not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother. And not just a brother, but a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in flesh uh, and in uh, the Lord. And, you know, let me say this again. Here, here Paul is directly undermining the institution of slavery by showing that uh, this one who had been a slave would more properly now be treated uh, lovingly, lovingly as a brother in Christ. And uh, this, is, this is Paul's 
This is exactly what Paul is, is interceding for and hoping for and, and imploring Philemon to do. Receive this man back. He'll be profitable to you. He's been changed by Christ. Uh, receive him back, not as a servant, but as a brother in Christ, uh, beloved. And uh, Listen, I've said before, but let me say this again. Uh, he, is, he is imploring Philemon to receive uh, Onesimus back, not in the same position or place, but in an elevated place. Just, again, I said this in, our, in the introduction, but just as when you were saved, you, you were no longer a lost person on your way to hell. You were elevated by the Lord uh, from lost person outside the family of God, now adopted into the family of God, uh, brother and fellow heir with Christ uh, to the promises of God. We've been greatly elevated from one position to another uh, in and through Christ. And uh, Paul is advocating that Philemon recognize that Onesimus has been saved. He's been elevated from one position to another and should be received back uh, that way. Verse 17, he says, If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. Paul is really directly and personally interceding for Philemon, exactly as Christ is doing for us with the Father uh, in the throne room of heaven today at this very moment. It's a direct and personal intercession uh, ministry that the Lord is carrying out for us today and will continue to do that. Paul is picturing that very wonderfully uh, here this morning. I've mentioned already, now we'll see it, Paul offers to pay any debt that Onesimus has, uh, clearly picturing. Uh, so Paul is offering to substitute for Onesimus uh, repaying his own debt, Paul's offering to step in and pay it for him, this uh, idea of um, substitution, uh, one paying on behalf of another, as Christ did upon the cross, paying our sin debt, Paul is offering now to pay Onesimus's debt. Again, picturing another aspect of the gospel very wonderfully. Verse 18, he says, if he, hey, Mr. Philemon, if, if Onesimus has wronged thee or oweth thee aught, anything, put that on mine account. Uh, my account with the Lord was transferred to uh, Christ and Christ paid my account. He satisfied my debt completely. My sin debt to God the Father has been stamped, paid in full. And this is what Paul is offering to do for Onesimus. He's illustrating what Christ has done for us, but practically, you know, really offering to pay off this man's debt. Verse 19, he says, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto even me, thine own self besides. Um, listen, he's, he's saying, you know, you, you, you owe debt to me. Uh, I'm, I'm laying that aside, ignoring that. Right now I'm offering to pay this man's, this man's debt. Uh, again, a, a really wonderful picture uh, of our salvation. Uh, turn over just for a moment. We're almost done here. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, and verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 is, uh, we'll look at several verses there. Uh, wonderful description of, of Christ uh, paying the debt that we owe to God the Father as a result of our sin. Remember Wednesday night we looked at the Lord's justice as portrayed in Judges chapter 9, the Lord's justice. He is a just God. 
Uh, and because of that, when we sin against him, uh, there is a payment due to right that wrong. We have a debt with God when we sin against him. And there is a payment that is due to balance the scale, if you will. We cannot balance the scale with our good works. The Bible makes that clear. Uh, we're saved by grace through faith, and it's not of works. Uh, so our good works cannot balance the scale and get our debt paid off. The only balance to the scale that God accepts is the one that Christ paid, the, 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 the penalty, the payment that Christ made upon the cross. Uh, and so the debt is our debt for our sin is only paid when we place our faith in Christ and, and his payment is then paid on to our accounts. First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 20, the Bible says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Speaking of Christ, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who... When he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself uh, to him that judgeth righteously. Now, verse 24, speaking of Christ, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that's the cross, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye uh, all of us who are saved were healed. Uh, that's what Christ accomplished for us upon the cross. Come back to our passage now. We're almost done. Verse 20, Yea, brother, writes Paul to Philemon, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels, comfort my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Uh, Paul says, he's encouraging Philemon, he says, listen, I'm asking you to receive this man, this man who's been saved back as a brother in Christ, but I know that you'll do more than just receive him back. Paul knew that uh, Philemon was a, a man of love, and that if he would lovingly, graciously receive this, this man Onesimus back as a brother in Christ, uh, he would demonstrate love to him in, in all kinds of practical ways. Maybe he would help him find a place of his own, or maybe he would provide a place uh, for him. Maybe he would uh, provide uh, income for him. Maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know, but, but Paul was confident because Christ was at work in Philemon and in Onesimus that Philemon would de continue to find ways to demonstrate practically love to this brother in Christ even though he had been unprofitable as a lost man, even though he may have stolen, uh, things are changed now. Well, Paul closes the letter uh, in a, uh, an ongoing demonstration of his confidence in the Lord. Uh, he expresses a confidence now that the Lord would answer his prayers, Paul's prayers regarding his uh, return to Colossae. He asked Philemon to prepare a room for him now I want you to uh, just, uh, again, realize, see here, that Paul is demonstrating a great confidence, not in Philemon as a man, but in the Lord who was at work in Philemon's heart. He was greatly, Paul was greatly confident that Philemon would uh, demonstrate love to Onesimus because God was at work in Philemon's heart. 
Similarly, Paul is now about to express a great confidence in the Lord who answers prayers. Uh, Paul evidently was praying that he would have an opportunity to travel back to Colossae and encourage the church there. Uh, he's so confident that he, even though he's in prison in Rome, he's so confident that God will answer his prayers that he asked Philemon to prepare a room for him. He says, hey, get the guest room ready. Uh, I'm, I'm coming. I'm confident that God will answer my prayers and allow me to be back with you again. Would you please prepare a room for me so that uh, that'll be ready when I get there? It's also just a quick aside. This demonstrates both faith in the Lord uh, as well as need to manage the, the practical manners of ministry. Paul had a great confidence that God would get, answer his prayers and get him back there. But he's also taking it upon himself to uh, address practically uh, the practical matters of ministry, uh, arranging a place to stay and so forth. He's trusting in the Lord to make his ministry possible, but Paul is doing his part to address the practical needs that will go along with that. What a great model, uh, what a great model for ministry and for life. Pray and believe that God will answer as he sees fit, but then you do your part practically to make sure that um, the practical needs uh, in life and in ministry will be addressed. Paul did both, and this is a wonderful example. Verse 22, we see this. He says, but withal prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers uh, I shall be given unto you. I made it all about Paul's prayer in my introduction to this verse, but uh, Paul had a confidence in Philemon's prayers. Really, it's a confidence in the Lord, regardless of who's doing the praying, Paul or Philemon or both. Paul was confident that God would answer the prayers and that he would have a need for a place to stay because God will get him back there. Um, and so he makes this request. Several closing verses here uh, in a final demonstration of his own love. Paul asks Philemon to greet the brethren there. He's encouraged Philemon uh, for being loving and to apply that to his relationship with Onesimus. Uh, Paul is a man who practiced what he preached, and so uh, he demonstrates his own love by asking Philemon to greet the brethren there at the church at Colossae. Verse 23, he says, There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner uh, in Christ Jesus. Uh, verse 24, Marcus, we saw recently, this is John Mark. Uh, he's the penman of the Gospel of Mark. Aristocrus, this man from Thessalonica, you see that in Acts 27. Uh, Demas, who later forsook Paul, 2 Timothy 4. Lucas, this is Luke, Dr. Luke, the physician, my fellow laborers. Uh, all of these had been fellow laborers. It says in verse 25, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And so we have a wonderful picture of the gospel. We have a wonderful picture of one man lovingly interceding for another man and encouraging that man to be loving toward others. Not just encouraging others to do that, but demonstrating that which he is encouraging. Uh, Paul sought to be a man who, who was faithful, not just in word, but in deed. And of course, the Lord desires that we be the same. It's easy sometimes to tell others what the Bible says. 
it's not as easy most of the time to live what the Bible says. And there we are reminded of the need for simply yielding to the Lord and being blessed with his grace, with his strength, to find power to obey his words. Lord, help us to seek to be reconciled to others, no matter who they are, no matter how guilty they may be. Lord, help us to be gracious and to lovingly be reconciled to others. Lord, help us to encourage the same in the lives of those around us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you this morning for your words. This short book of Philemon, just 25 or so verses, it's so important. There's so much that you have packed into this short book. A picture of the gospel, a gentle rebuke of slavery, a call to love practically. Lord, I pray this morning that that we take this up and that we're encouraged and instructed by it. Lord, I pray this morning if our hearts are wrong toward some because they look different or come from a different place, Lord, that you'd help us to confess that. Lord, to recognize that you've made us all of one blood. Father, to recognize that being unloving toward anyone is, is sin. It's sin. Lord, help us to recognize this morning that anyone who has been saved is a fellow brother or sister and a fellow joint heir with Christ. Lord, if we have you in common, if we have Christ in common with someone who is from a very different background or someone who looks very different, those superficial differences should fade into the background and our commonality in Christ should come to the foreground. Lord, thank you that that is possible because of Christ and the Spirit who indwells all of your people, the same Spirit. Thank you for the unity that we enjoy in our church. Lord, I pray that you would continue to build upon that. Father, thank you for opportunities that you give us to reach the lost, that they might be reconciled to you and then reconciled horizontally to others. Help us, Lord, to make that our business, reconciling others to you in Christ and then encouraging them to be reconciled to others. Lord, what a powerful demonstration of the might of Christ, the power of our God. Father, I love you this morning. I thank you for the privilege to teach this book and I pray that it's worked in hearts this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.